He always travels the creeks. Charles Pierce. In the shadows of the forested bottomlands around Falk, Arkansas, lurks a hulking beast, the Falk Monster. The Sasquatch is regarded as a shy and elusive cryptid, known to appear blurry in photos and to disappear as soon as a human spots it. But the Falk Monster is an exception. This Sasquatch is highly aggressive, known to approach humans and even attack them. Tonight, we discuss the true legend of Boggy Creek on this Southern episode of Snipe Hunt. Welcome back to Snipe Hunt, your frightening folklore podcast. I am your boggy host, Darren Young. And I am your skunky host. Absolutely. Gary Clevenson. I'm trapped in a room with him right now. I will spray you. <laughs> mm. And tonight we are hunting down a cryptid that has been a long time coming. We touched on him in our Creepy Legends of Arkansas episodes, but tonight he gets his own dedicated pod. I, of course, am talking about the Mother Falker himself. Right? Right? There you go. Wait. (laughs) The Falk Monster. Uh, For those of you who didn't tune into that episode, first of all, shame on you. We've told you every episode. (laughs) Never mind. Most people have. It's it's our most popular episode. Second, the Falk Monster or the Boggy Creek Monster is a Bigfoot-like humanoid cryptid that skulked the swampy lands of southeastern Arkansas in the 1970s, and possibly even to this day. But before we talk about the monster, let's talk about Falk. Um, first of all, pronunciation. In the first episodes of the Arkansas ones, Creepy Legend Arkansas, we called it Folk. Um, I called it Folk, and by proxy, you called it Folk. Hmm. Um, so there are, and it is pronounced Falk, although I have some heard some other pronunciations, like Fook, like you said earlier, actually, during the intro. You guys won't hear that. And then I've also heard uh, if if you're super southern, it's it's not one syllable; it's two. It's Falk. 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 Oh, so <laughs> see, I was I thought I thought that Falk was too obvious. Yeah, yeah. So I right. said Fook because I was like, it's definitely not going to be obvious, right? And yeah, and I said it's it's F O U K E. Well, I mean, it's just like the same uh, like that. Was that that like type of um, ramen? The 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 pho. Yeah, like the is pho. actually pho. Yeah, yeah. The Vietnamese the, noodle yeah, dish. Yeah. yeah. The, but you know what's great about this episode, Gary? What? You know how your like go to voice to do a funny voice is yes. like a gruff old Southern man. Yeah. Every quote in here is a gruff <laughs> old yeah. Southern man. My time has come. <laughs> it's your time to shine, baby. Yeah, All right. So let's talk about Falk. Um, first of all, I would like to remind listeners that we're in Northwest Arkansas. Falk is in Southwest Arkansas, and it's about a five hours away from us or so, give or take. Hmm. Falk is a city in Miller County in the deep Southwest of Arkansas, established in 1890 as essentially a lumber colony, only about a five hour drive from us, as I mentioned. It is technically part of the Texarkana metropolitan area. So that should tell you how close it is to the Arkansas-Texas border. It's right there. It's like... Uh, 20 minutes away. Um, and yes, this is the Texarkana, also featured in the uh, episode four when we discussed the Moonlight Murders, also part of the creepy legend of Arkansas. Falk currently boasts a population of 808. Wow. It's pretty big. Huge. Huge. And the city itself is a total area of 1.4 square miles. Dang. So definitely a small town in every way possible. Although it is no longer as remote as it once was, as the interstate I-49 runs literally right next to it, which is the main interstate that me and you drive every day, which I was surprised by. However, that was not the case in the 1970s. At that time, the town was relatively isolated, about 10, 15 minutes outside Texarkana, and had an even smaller population sitting around 506 people. I wonder if it's by... I used to call it Ashtown. It is Ashdown. close. Ashdown is actually like maybe 30 minutes south of it. Oh, okay. I did look because I've been to Ashdown before. Well, they, they, they would always talk about, because we have these meetings at work, and it, it's the, those people that we have an office down there, and I always thought they called it Ashtown. And then oh, I just recently, yeah. 
I heard it was actually Ash Down. No, when I was in high school football, we had to go down to Ash Down for like some regional uh, game or something. And right. the main thing I remember about Ash Down, sorry if you live there, but <laughs> as soon as we we had the windows down on the bus. And as soon as we passed the sign that says, welcome to Ashdown, straight up sulfur smell <laughs> immediately assaulted my nostrils. And literally, it just smelled like that the whole time. And you know you know what bad smells? If you're stuck in it long enough, you'll get used to it. Mm-hmm. We were there for hours upon hours upon hours. I never, never got, used, got to used to the smell. It was always bad. Was it like cow poo? It, or it, just sulfur? It was like sulfury, maybe a little bit of cow poo. It was really mm-hmm. hard to explain, but it was almost like chemically sulfury. I, don't, I was mm-hmm. like, I don't know what that is. But uh, we lost the game, so <laughs> so you know insult because the of the smell. Because of the smell, they did that on purpose. But the town is flanked by the Red River in the east, the, well, the Sulphur River, and just the west. Coincidence, and various small creeks between these two waterways, including, of course, Boggy Creek. All of these bodies of water, although relatively small, make for wet, swampy terrain, especially when it rains. The Sulphur River bottomlands, in particular, are large part are parts of a large, densely wooded area that makes up the eighteen thousand acre Sulphur River Wildlife Management Area, which includes large swathes of forests and brackish swamps that make pockets of unnavigable terrain. The Sulphur River winds southward to join the Mississippi Waterweb. What a fun little term! Um, and the Red River flows into the Louisiana-Texas border along the Louisiana-Texas border, into various bayous which hold their own strange encounters with the unknown. So what I'm really getting at here is that the untouched natural land surrounding Falk, with its marshy wetlands, dense vegetation, thick cypress trees, and abundance of wildlife, might just be the perfect place to hide a monster. Sure does sound like it. Sure does. It's a lot of words I just read right there, so you better believe it. <laughs> you described every horror movie. I know. That people, five college students wander into. Well, actually, we will talk, talk a little <clears throat> bit about horror movies later in this episode, oh, so there you go. Okay. There you go. <laughs> so what kind of creature would reside in the forested bottom bottomlands of Arkansas? Well, by now, you probably guessed that we are dealing with a Sasquatch. Sasquatch. More notably, a possible cousin of the hairy hominid known as the skunk ape. Skunk apes are a variation of Bigfoot that primarily inhabit the forests and swamps of the southeastern United States, most prominently in Florida, because everything weird is in Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are essentially the same as any other Sasquatch, you know, large, hairy, bipedal, etc. Long feet. Long <laughs> feet uh, with either dark or reddish brown hair. Although they are possibly shorter in stature than their northern cousins and get their name from the rancid odor they give off, uh, being similar to that of a skunk, it should be noted that nearly all Sasquatch are known to emit a foul aroma. But for some reason, the skunk ape gets this attribute incorporated into its name. Yeah, every Sasquatch smells bad, but for whatever reason, this one in particular, or this breed, quote-unquote, is yeah, they're the skunk ape. They stink even everything worse. with first tanks. It's true, especially if you're living in the wet bottomlands of Arkansas. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, now, today's subject, the Falk monster, has a couple of traits that make it unique among Sasquatch and skunk apes. The most notable being its behavior. It is much less shy and much, much more aggressive than other than other of its species. It is described as six to eight feet tall and covered in shaggy reddish brown hair. It apparently has claws, or at least long fingernails, and bright red eyes. Okay, enough setup. Let's get into this timeline. You got your gruff southern old man voice ready I to do. go? I am all ready. Right, all right, all right. Um, so let's break down a little bit of history of hairy hominids in Arkansas first. Various native tribes throughout the U.S. have had their own legends of hairy hominids. Uh, in fact, the word Sasquatch is derived from the Salish word, mm, hard to pronounce, Sesgrick, it's pronounced, it's spelled S-E apostrophe, S-X-A-C. Sesax. Yeah, it's probably like Sesgak. We're going to go have Sesax. <laughs> Possibly pronounced Sesketch, <laughs> which meant wild man. <laughs> wild man. Salish or Salish, I don't know how it's pronounced, is a linguistic group of tribes from the American Northwest. 
The group we are most interested in tonight, however, is the Caddo tribe, as they were the original inhabitants of the Falk area. According to archaeologist Kathy Mouskowitz-Strain, the Caddo term for their Bigfoot creature was mm, Hayakatsi, Hayakatsi, which means, quote, lost giant. Although, I have found another source that says that Hayaoxi, not even close, <laughs> were a short, stout people. So, kind of conflicting accounts. But, you know, that's how folklore works a lot of times. But I was able to find a Caddo legend called How the Cannibal Was Destroyed, where three hunters came across a, quote, cannibal in a cave where the monster killed two of the men, but the third was able to survive thanks to a mountain lion attacking the beast. The cannibal in this story is referred to as an animal, but not as a human. I can't think of a better scenario where I'd be happy to see a mountain lion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when you're about to be uh, t- killed by a cannibal. Right. <laughs> I mean, I find myself in that situation constantly. All so I don't know about you. Yeah. So what animal would be considered a cannibal that preys on humans, but not a human? Possibly a Sasquatch. In fact, other tribes refer to their own Bigfoot creatures as cannibals, such as the Choctaws, Mmm, Kesheho Tapalo, or Cannibal Man. Awful superhero. <laughs> he doesn't, <laughs> he's just so bad at his job. <laughs> in 19, in, oh, sorry, 1856, longer ago, the Arkansas newspapers, the Caddo Gazette, and the Hornellsville Horn, mm, Tribune uh, reported an incident between hunters and a, quote, wild man, wild man, in the, Tex- in the Texarkana area. The wild man was described as such. You don't have to do a voice. I was going to say, I was, I, I, do I get to do the wild man voice later? Or Wait, you get to do the gruff southern old gentleman the gruff voice. Southern, okay. All right. That's not right now. No. I mean, no. you can. You do whatever you want. It was a stout athletic man, about six feet, four inches in height, completely covered in hair of... Brownish cast about four to six inches long. He was well muscled mm. and ran up the bank with the fleetness of a deer. <laughs> the hunting party intended to capture this mammoth man thing and approached it on horseback, but one hunter got too close to the threatened being. As the wild man saw the rider, he rushed towards him and in an instant dragged the hunter to the ground, tore him in the most dreadful manner, scratching out. One of his eyes. Oh. And biting really large pieces out of his shoulder and body and and body parts. <laughs> parts of his body, and yes. Parts, parts <laughs> of his body. Um, strangely enough, after this vicious attack, it is said that the wild man tore off the saddle and bridle off the injured man's horse, then mounted the horse and rode off. So a <laughs> little bit of a weird turn there at the end, but it, it does seem to show a history of Bigfoot in the area. And I don't think this is really something that gets talked about a whole lot when it comes to like Bigfoot lore or stuff is if you get like attacked by one of these things, you're dead. <laughs> you're dead or severely maimed. There is no fighting a Bigfoot. It's like a grizzly bear, but with opposable thumbs. Right. You're not going to, it's going to be, a, you're going to have a bad time either way. And uh, maybe that's why there's so many people that go missing in our national forest, Gary. Maybe they're being attacked and drug off by territory. Territorial Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Who knows? You never know. You never know. So uh, let's get to the start of the show. Woo! Mm. The mother, mother Falker. <laughs> the mother Falker. Falker. What am I thinking? Meet the parents. All right. <laughs> the Beast of Boggy Creek may have made its debut in 1946 in the town of Jonesville, Arkansas, a tiny community roughly six miles southwest of Falk, where sightings of a creature matching the description of what would become the Falk monster popped up. In a 1946 Texarkana Gazette article, County Sheriff Leslie Greer gave the following statement. Leslie. His name is Leslie. His name's Leslie? Yeah. Like uh, Leslie Nielsen, the actor. What a ninny. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I was campaigning for tax assessor and stopped to talk to a lady sitting on her front porch. She lived about halfway between Falk and the, the Bella Bridge. No, you didn't ask, but I thought I'd tell you. She told me that she saw some kind of animal go down in the field in a low, bushy place. She said it looked kind of like a man and walked like a man and told her to walk this way. (laughs) Walk this way! (laughs) But she didn't think it was a man. Wasn't a man. 
A local named James Crabtree, related to local Falcon Monster investigator and author Smokey Crabtree, which is the most Arkansas name I've ever heard of in my life. I don't know why it just popped in my head. Oh, no. That I was thinking you were going to say <laughs> Falcon Monster investigator and author, a local named um, the guy who owns the Haunted Museum. <laughs> Zach Vegas. Zach Vegas. Oh, <laughs> we'll, we'll probably talk about the end, but there's a little bit more drama that came out about Zach Vegas. I wanted to mention oh, it on the show since sweet. I like to drag. I like to. I like stay to stay tuned. Stay tuned. Um, anyway, Smokey Crabtree claimed to see the creature in 1955. James claimed to see the creature. I should say. James went down to a nearby river to run trot lines and saw an animal sitting down like a man and washing its feet. James tried to get closer, but the creature stood up on two legs and walked off. Men don't wash their feet. (laughs) Only ninnies do. (laughs) Only ninnies named Leslie. (laughs) James told his family of the incident, who suggested the creature might have been a bear or even a gorilla. But James thought neither of those suggestions quite matched what he witnessed. And I should note that James here is a, he's a hunter, he's a fisherman, he's a trapper. I think he would he'd be able to tell the difference between animals. I don't think it's a case of mistaken identity. He either saw it or he didn't. There's no, there's no middle ground. Um, in 1965, Lynn Crabtree, that's right, this whole f- family. <laughs> Sorry, didn't mean to say that. This whole family has run-ins with this monster, apparently. Uh, Lynn Crabtree cemented his family's legacy with the Boggy Creek Beast by having his own terrifying encounter with the creature. Lynn was 14 at the time and lived with his family in Jonesville. In the early evening, Lynn went out to hunt squirrels, a very Arkansan pastime. Um, Some of my family does it. My mom probably has squirrels in the freezer as we speak. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Lynn is a he? Lynn is a he. There are no women in this. <laughs> Besides the old lady you mentioned earlier. A bunch of Nancy boys. <laughs> no, no. That's a, it's Lynn a it's a joke. and Leslie. And yeah, don't come for us. Crap right. <laughs> Early in the evening, Lynn, the boy, went on to hunt squirrels, very Arkansas pastime, and sat down by a tree to wait for his squirrely quarry. Lynn then heard the cry of a neighbor's dog and went to investigate the sound, fearing that the dog was injured. The boy quickly realized that the strange sound was not made by a dog, but his son, Ashley. (laughs) Ashley's also a boy's name. (laughs) But actually by the large hairy man or a gorilla type beast, now standing in front of him only 30 feet away. The beast took notice of Lynn and stopped. The thing was between seven and eight feet tall with long reddish brown hair. This hair covered the majority of its face, revealing only a dark, flat nose. Lynn raised his gun to the manimal as it started to walk towards him. The frightened boy fired several shots at the thing, but it seemed unfazed. Lynn then retreated back to the house, and the man-ape, thankfully, did not give chase. Because heaven forbid somebody else see it. <laughs> yeah, how can we? <laughs> well, to be fair, the man-ape was getting shot at, so... I, I don't blame it for That's not following it. Um, the terrified teen relayed the story to his father, Smokey. You see, we're making these connections there here. Who investigated the area where he found trees that the boy had shot at in his panic, but otherwise no sign of the creature. So at least part of the story is true. And then he decided that his son needed to shoot in lessons. <laughs> None of these sightings were reported to authorities, um, but all of that would change. On May 3rd, my birthday, uh, 1971, a string of harrowing encounters with the Shaggy Ape Man were reported to various newspapers, including the events that kicked off this entire legend, the Ford Incident. As reported in the Texarkana Gazette, the Ford family heard something walking around the house at night for several days. This culminated in a very close encounter when their friends, the Taylors, were visiting. Elizabeth Taylor, <laughs> who is also a man. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Elizabeth Taylor has some fantastic perfumes. Elizabeth Taylor, the woman, had been sleeping in the front room of the Ford house when she woke up. Forgive Darren. He didn't. Elizabeth you make Taylor all these not, references. Elizabeth Taylor must not ring a bell to his young ass. No, uh, you're... We're not that far apart in age, but I guess far apart enough Elizabeth where I don't Taylor, get any dude. of your references. Like, I've heard the name. Oh. I've heard the name. 
It didn't click with me when I was writing this, but now that you mention it, I've heard the name. Okay. Anyway, she woke up. <laughs> she is the founder of the of the company. I'm just I saw the curtain moving on the front window and a hand sticking through the window. At first, I thought it I thought it was a bear's paw, but it didn't look like that. It had heavy hair all over it, and it had claws. I could see its eyes. They looked like coals of fire, real red. It didn't make any noise except you could hear it breathing. Okay, so that was really good. I really appreciate the way you pronounce bear because in Southern it's bear. Bear. And you did that. No. Although I am disappointed you said fire instead of far. <laughs> oh. Great okay. balls let me, of far. Let me, let me redo it. No, 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 you're good. Okay. You're good. We'll keep this all in. All right. <laughs> but just keep that in mind. Far. You know, take some notes. The crick. <laughs> Down by the crick. Elizabeth screamed. Ah! Thank you. And Bobby Ford, Don Ford, and Charles Taylor came to investigate. They spotted the beast at the back of the house and shot at it several times with a shotgun before it disappeared. The family called Constable Ernest Walraven, also a very southern title and name, who came and helped search for the creature but found nothing but left the family with another shotgun and a stronger flashlight. Could you imagine you calling the police for like a home intruder and they're like, well, I don't see him now. Here, take this shotgun and let me know if it comes back. The creature did in fact come back and once again the men shot at it and then they thought they saw it fall. They went to the spot to investigate when they heard the women then screaming from the house. Screaming from the house. (laughs) Bobby Ford ran back. I was walking up the rungs of a ladder to get up on the porch when the thing grabbed me. I felt a hairy arm come over my shoulder, and the next thing I knew, we were on the ground. He started touching me. <laughs> he the didn't thing, say that. The thing was breathing real hard, and his, his eyes were just undressing me all sensually. Like. <laughs> didn't say that either. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Okay. The thing was breathing real hard, and his eyes were about half the size of a half dollar and real red. I finally broke away and ran around the house and through the front door. I don't know where he went after that. The eyes thing was a pretty good ad lib, though. I'll give you that. <laughs> when daylight finally came, the family investigated the area and found pieces of metal that had been ripped from the house. They also found window damage, scratches on the front porch, and even large, supposedly three-toed footprints. Bobby Ford was treated at the nearby hospital for shock and minor injuries. So once again, we get this very rare report, at least, of an aggressive Sasquatch. Because, you, know, you know, like we said at the beginning, usually they go off and hide and leave humans alone that we know of. But occasionally you'll just get one that is aggressive that will come up to your house. That Usually we get like a shaking car or shaking trailer, but this one's just straight up grabbing people and throwing them to the ground <laughs> love he's and like- hopping on top of them and looking them in deep in the eyes. It appears you're, you're a bit shocked and you got a boo-boo. <laughs> Official diagnosis. <laughs> That's the t- look, look, he got me a scratch right on my elbow. <laughs> he scratched me with his long nails. <laughs> That's the Texarkana Hospital for you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. The Woods family had a much more mundane but still strange encounter driving north. Also, I don't know if you noticed, but this, I've done it intentionally a couple times, but I guess just the, the way we're doing it, it's really drawing out the Arkansas accent in me, oh, which happens right. sometimes. Every once in a while, it just comes out randomly, but especially during reading on this, mm-hmm. it's just been coming out unintentionally, So, yeah. <laughs> but it's okay. Mine gets really thick if I'm talking to a real redneck person. Oh, yeah, because you, yeah. you just pick up on oh, it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And we grew up here, so I grew up around that, so that's exactly. Um, anyway, the Woods family had a much more mundane but still strange encounter driving north on Highway 71 when a large, hairy, upright creature ran across the road in front of their vehicle at an unusually fast pace, sort of like a power walk. (laughs) They remarked not only on the speed of the beast, but noted its long, swinging arms and that it, quote, looked like a giant monkey. So that kind of rules out bear or mountain lion because they don't have long, swinging arms. Right. Nor do they look like giant monkeys. Um, Both of these events were investigated by reporter Jim Powell, who published these accounts in the Texarkana Daily News and the Texarkana Gazette. 
These articles gave the monster its official moniker, the Falk Falk Monster. But Powell theorized that these attacks and sightings were that of a mountain lion. A month after the first encounters, the Falk Monster made its next appearance. Gloria Ritchie claimed to see the hominid squatting on an embankment in a wooded area near the road. Ritchie and accompanying witnesses shined a light on the creature which caused their dogs to bark wildly. I lied, there are a couple women in this. <laughs> he was real tall and hairy and had real red eyes. He went leaping high over the weeds and ran faster than a man could. I have never seen anything like it. I know it wasn't a cat or a man. I could still hear the dogs acting up and the brush breaking and rattling. It was a cat man. <laughs> Richie's companions, Junior Goodman and Jerry Smallwood. God, these are such Southern names, dude. Right. I mean, I'm, I mean, unfortunate name for Jerry Smallwood, but other than that, yeah. Junior Goodman and Jerry Smallwood are one of two things. Furniture salesmen <laughs> or attorneys. <laughs> Or, or Hicks and Falk, Arkansas. <laughs> Richie's companions, Junior Goodman and Jerry Smallwood, retrieved their guns and investigated the area. They found trampled down weeds and brush, but no other evidence of what they saw. Didn't find it. Imagine that. Not long after, the monster was sighted walking across a soybean field. Yoher Kennedy, I have no idea if that's how you pronounce it or not, um, was working that field and discovered large tracks. Once again, with three toes. They measured 13 and a half inches long by four and a half inches wide, with a maximum stride of 57 inches between them. What shoe size do you wear? 14 wide. Oh, so you you got bigger feet than Bigfoot. Mm. Look at that. <laughs> I just thought I'd ask. Because yeah. listeners, if you don't know, Gary's real tall. So that's, uh, that's what I was wondering. The media jumped on this as evidence of the creature and Willie Smith owner of the land, weighed in on the discussion. You know, I was born in West Philadelphia. Born and raised. <laughs> born and raised. Not, not On the playground not is Gary, where I spent most of Gary, my days. Gary, wrong Will Smith. Oh. This is Willie Smith. Oh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Every time it has been seen around here, it always has been near one of them cricks. He told reporters. Curiously enough, it looked as though the monster made a conscious effort to not step on any of the young soybean plants that were growing in the field. Other stories in an alleged encounter surfaced. We don't have dates for these, unfortunately. Nope, sure don't. The Cersei family claimed to hear strange noises coming from the wooded area near their house at night. One chilly night, Mary Beth Cersei went to cover a bedroom window with a blanket and glanced out into the yard. She suddenly spotted movement and was stunned to see a large, hairy, bipedal creature emerge out of the timeline. Tree th- timeline <laughs> came right out of the timeline. That that was our interdimensional Bigfoot episode. <laughs> she suddenly spotted movement and was stunned to see a large, hairy, bipedal creature emerge out of the tree line. Mary Beth screamed in terror, which woke the rest of the household, who then stayed awake and. Vigilant the rest of the night. The next day, the family found the stiff remains of their cat, dead but unmarked, seemingly scared to death. Good podcast, by the way. (laughs) It wasn't the whole cat that was stiff, (laughs) just part of it. Oh my gosh. Sorry. <laughs> Gary, there's enough of that in here. I know, I'm sorry. There's enough of that in here already. You don't have to insert more. I'm sorry. We're we're covering our bases. <laughs> as per every Bigfoot episode. There's a lot there's a lot of screaming women in this episode, I've noticed. Yeah. I was like, damn, how many times have we said she screams? She screamed. Uh one farmer claimed that he came out one morning to find that his haug pan was broken into. One haug was dead on the spot, and two of them were missing. The farmer wondered what kind of animal could carry off two 200-pound hogs, which is a it's a funny image in my mind because I'm just seeing Bigfoot as a hog under each arm and just right. rolling away. And they're like they're like squealing, wee wee. <laughs> there you go. Is that good? That was pretty good. You know, as a, as a as a metal screamer, you'd think I'd be able to do a pig squeal. I can't. 
Mm. I think it's more of Not an yet. in. It is more of an inhale, but I can't. <clears throat> yeah, that's hard. <laughs> so you're trying to do, you're going to metal with it. Yeah. Well, there, there's an actual uh, unclean vocal technique in metal called a pig scream. Oh. So that's where, that's where that, I was getting mm. that from. All right. Not long after the attack at the Ford household in May of 1971, KAAY Radio. KAAY Radio. I was about to do that. <laughs> Here, you do. You, do. you can probably do it better than I can. You do it. KAAY Radio. Perfect. Little Rock. Offered a 1,000. Yeah, we don't have a, we don't have right. a button for that. <laughs> that radio station offered a $1,090 reward for the Falcon Monster, quote, Alive and in good health on time of delivery. A local man named Raymond Scroggins, bunch of great names in this. Raymond Scroggins offered up his own $200 bounty, making the creature worth roughly $10,000 in today's money. It's not a bad haul. No. Soon monster mayhem ensued and would-be hunters from all over the area began to descend upon the tiny town. Many of these groups seem to be just looking for an excuse to go out, get drunk, and shoot something. Honestly, I don't blame them. That sounds like a pretty good time. Don't, mm-hmm. Wouldn't you want to get together with a bunch of your buddies and just go monster hunting? Mm-hmm. That just sounds like fun. With the dreams of $10,000? With the dreams well, well, of $10,000? $1,090? With the dreams of $10,000 and the adrenaline of hunting the most dangerous game. That's actually human, but you know, pretty close. Sounds pretty fun. I would do it. Uh, maybe not the drinking and the loaded firearms part, but yeah. <laughs> As one can imagine, all of these armed and inebriated out-of-towners coming in and firing at will became very dangerous, and soon an all-out ban on firearms was in effect unless it was hunting season. Think about that. A very right-wing, small town in Arkansas outright banning guns in the 1970s. <laughs> so it's, it must have been very bad. That's like worst case scenario right there. It was estimated that over 500 outsiders tried their luck in tracking down the towering terror. Although it did have its upsides, Willie Smith, the owner of the soybean field in which the three-toed tracks were found, also happened to own one of the few restaurants in town, the Boggy Creek Cafe. Sounds delicious. Willie started making copies of the initial footprint cast and selling them out of his cafe as souvenirs. And these monster hunters made for good business. But the majority of the locals did not care for this newfound attention that drew in troublemakers into their previously peaceful town. Yeah, from what I read about about Falk, Arkansas, especially back in the day, is they, they were real like, like they knew if you were an out-of-towner. They were real like private and close-knit right. and obviously they didn't weren't fans of tourists. Um, weren't, weren't fans of people with of a certain shade of skin color. <laughs> I just think, I think it's weird with any like <laughs> any kind of mystery. There always seems to be lore of that mystery, and people capitalize on it. Oh, you know, like the Eureka Springs. Why wouldn't you though? Right, that's the thing. Some you some might look at it and be like, oh, they made this up for the tourism. But honestly, if you had a legend like that, you would capitalize. Well, what was it. that this other is one? Human nature. What was that other one that we did? The the woman the the woman ghost, she haunted that. Like, remember all the friends, all like people from out of town came and stayed in this house. That lady ghost was messing with people, but she was, I don't she, Her goal was to initially kill the father of the, um, what was their names? It was the name of a, a milk. I'm so lost. I'm so lost right now. You don't remember. We haven't done very many ghost episodes. That's so. exactly why I'm thinking. I don't know how you don't remember it. I yeah, don't remember half our episodes, but like, okay, no. let me let me pull it up. <laughs> was it like an older one or a newer one? Uh, you know, in you in the middle. Okay. The the well, no. <laughs> what was the name of the family? Let's see, it had a name of a, a mill or no, it was bells. Yeah. The bells. Oh, the bell. Witch. The bell witch. Yeah, there. Yeah, it is. they they just more had like people. They never made any money off of it. Actually, they never charged anyone to come. Right. They actually fed it. people. Yeah, but it was still. You're right. Well, it, yeah, it was it was getting people to come into their house. Right. I, I wouldn't say they were capital, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I would. I wouldn't blame them either because they're like, you got to come see this because I am not crazy. We are not making right. this up. You need to come witnesses. Let's go right now. <laughs> I look at Zach Bag Zach Bagans or whatever. He, he's, capitalizing. He, he's very much so. Um, he is capitalizing stuff. He has no proof the most, of the most <laughs> that he has no proof. Exactly. Of. Anyways. Okay, so anyway, where were we? Oh yeah, it was there was mo- the monster hunt and they banned guns. 
and then Willie Smith came out and did the cafe, started selling footprints. There we go. That's right. Okay. <laughs> During this monster madness, this creature was in fact spotted again by sheriff's deputy named by a sheriff's deputy named Robinson. Robinson was on patrol one night, and the Boggy Creek Thing crossed right in front of his car, taking several big leaps across the road, hopping a fence, and disappearing into the woods. Robinson even filed an official report of the sighting with the Miller County Sheriff's Office. Numerous other reports of the Falcon Monster sightings kept surfacing for several years. So here's the part of the show where people who have at least heard of this monster are probably were waiting for me to get to. Here it is now. Texarkana resident and future filmmaker Charles B. Pierce was following the news stories and decided to make the short trip down to Falk and find out more. After interviewing locals and traveling to spots of alleged sightings, he decided to make a film about the phenomenon. This, of course, would become the B-movie cult classic, The Legend of Boggy Creek. Have you heard of this? I have not. You haven't heard of this? I came across it during the re- the initial research for this, but before that, I haven't heard of it. But Did then again, that was clips? the very... I'll, I'll let oh, you know. Okay. The Legend of Boggy Creek is a docudrama featuring stage interviews with locals, reenactments of encounters, and a ton of long shots on local landscapes and wildlife. This is one of the first, if not the first, horror films shot in this realistic style. The infamous Blair Witch Project would take a lot of inspiration from this filming style and even this movie in particular. What do they call it? Found footage film? Yeah, well, the, it was kind of that. But, you know, especially a lot of the, like uh, a lot of these uh, cryptid shows where they talk about it and then they do reenactments right. of it. This was actually one of the first movies or piece of media that actually did start doing that style, if not the first one. So I thought that was crazy because that's such a common thing today. Right. Well, and even like the modern day ones or the, the, the acting is just so cringe yeah exactly yeah, so like, yeah. i can't imagine what this one was oh well i'll tell you don't okay. you worry although the interviews are staged the stories shared in the film are genuine allegedly independent researchers like author and cryptozoologist lyle blackburn were able to confirm the majority of these encounters shared in the film by interviewing local witnesses the actors quote in the movie were all falc residents either portraying themselves or standing in for other locals so after years of intending to watch the movie, I finally did. Like I said, at the very beginning of the podcast, I heard about this movie and I was like, I should watch that. And I, and I didn't until just now. I was expecting a super dated, campy B movie that would feature an old school Planet of the Apes style rubber gorilla costume and tons of overacting by amateurs, as you mentioned earlier. But I was pleasantly surprised. The interviews were surprisingly well done. The reenactments were believable, and they made the great decision to keep the costume monster in shadow as not to break the immersion. So you never really got a good look. You really mm. got the hairy, big silhouette, mm. and that's all you got, which was perfect mm. for that, especially when the budget they were shooting on. And like I said, the acting, not bad, which is crazy because <laughs> none of these people have ever acted before, right. but it wasn't bad. The only bad part about the movie is there was a lot of like landscape shots and not a lot else going on at the all time. Right. Which is funny because a lot of people were like, when I first watched this movie, I was terrified. And I was watching, I was like, "This it's rated G, first of all. <laughs> and I was watching it, I was like, it's not scary at all. It's like, like some of you would listen to if you're trying to go to sleep. Yeah, exactly. It's relaxing. Yeah. It's really yeah. relaxing, especially because Jar- Charles Pierce himself actually sings and plays a guitar oh. during the landscape shots. Oh. So it's actually very relaxing. And I was like, I actually like this. I actually did like the movie. Pierce finished his debut film, and this was this guy's first movie, and released it in August 23rd, 1972. The movie immediately became a hit. Interest in Bigfoot at this time was growing rapidly. And soon the movie, although rated G, was terrifying children and adults alike. The film ended up making a cool 20 to 25 million at the box office, wow. which would be over 147 million today. Well, and I mean, rated G back then. Yeah. That must mean it was, must have been like squeaky clean. Oh, no. It, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't like, I mean, there was like some quote unquote scary images, but other than that. Because you just said the S word back then, it was rated R. Right, exactly. It made over $147 million today. Not too bad for an independent film. This wasn't backed by a studio. With a budget of 160000 
Filmed, directed, and produced by a man that had never made a film before, starring local residents that never acted before. So it's actually just, not a bad budget. One hundred sixty thousand. One hundred sixty thousand, especially back in the day. That's not a bad right. budget. Well, he got someone to invest in it. Is how he got it. Uh. Like I said, there wasn't studio back, but he he convinced someone that he knew to invest in it. We have mentioned uh, other another of Charles Pierce's movies on this pod before, The Town That Dreaded Sundown, which was about Texarkana's Moonlight Murders. That movie wasn't as well received as The Legend of Boggy Creek, unfortunately. Unsurprisingly, the release and success of the film led to Monster Madness Part 2. Tourists flooded in from all over the country into the small town. A $10,000 reward for the live capture of the Beast of Boggy Creek was soon posted, attracting monster hunters from all over. So keep in mind, this was, it was 1200 before and back in the day's money. And now, now it's, it's actually 10000 10, So that's probably... I don't know, like eighty thousand today or something. Yeah. It's probably not. It's probably not that. High. It's probably like sixty, but really good chunk of change. Willie Smith, along with his new business partner Bill Williams, <laughs> William Williams uh, goes by Bill. <laughs> Once again, capitalized on the newfound tourism by adding even more monstrous items to the Boggy Creek Cafe. They had the three-toed sandwich and the Boggy Creek breakfast. Sounds appetizing, <laughs> both of them. It's like that. That restaurant in Siloam that they used to have was called Roadkill Cafe. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. They added monster-themed money, monster-themed money clips. Sorry, I put Cards, keychains, ashtrays, bumper stickers, license plates, and new copies of the three-toed cast were sold. So- how do you get all this merch? Did he make them himself? Because, you know, when I have to do merch for the pod of the band, we have to go to like a third party and they right. have to make all this stuff. So I don't know where he's getting all this stuff. But um, a song called Falk Monster, clever, was released by Billy Cole and the Falk Monsters. <laughs> I'm a Falk Monster. <laughs> it's not not too far off. <laughs> um, was commissioned by Charles Pierce, the director of Legend of Boggy Creek. Uh, here's an excerpt. Thought she'd had a bad dream. He wanted to foul. Monster Falk. <laughs> monster Falk. Oh, well, I actually like monster that. everybody said it was a hoax. I actually like that chorus. Yeah, no, no chorus is great. I don't. Yeah. The rest of the song sounds like a knockoff Aerosmith. It was awful, but the chorus was yeah. kind of like the creepy folk monster. Right. That was pretty good. Like the uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show kind of. Yeah, yeah, it does. You're right. It's got that creepy yet groovy vibe right. to it. The uh, records that I found it on was like a collection of songs, and it was called like a Arkansas psychedelic garage rock. And I was like, "What? <laughs> what a niche genre! <laughs> like that can't be more than five songs, right?" I couldn't find. I was trying to find like it on vinyl so I could buy it because I actually do have a record player, but I haven't been oh. able to find it yet. But I'm gonna get it. All the, the all the record players I've purchased recently have been garbage. Like they they yeah, those they, not they're bad. like not the right speed. Oh yeah. Even I, though you can speed them up and you know there's a switch. Right. But the just the the default spin mm-hmm. is still too Mine works slow. just fine. Well, I I mine Did you get fine. a more expensive one? I well I it wasn't very expensive. I at got all. an Amazon one for yeah, like same 30 here. bucks. I got it for like 50 bucks, but oh. it has the double speed, but it played my records just fine, but it mm. also depends on the record. So it may not be that your record player is the wrong speed, it may be that your record itself is the wrong speed. Mm. So, because records have a different speed and there's multiple of them, so you got to find mm. the right one. The, the more you know. All right. I, I love the little tangents we go on right so now, randomly. Right. Now the success of The Legend of Boggy Creek wasn't lost on their film on other filmmakers. Jim McCullough and his son, also named Jim McCullough, <laughs> took heavy inspiration from the Falk Monster and other swampy southern Sasquatches, say that five times fast, and they took that inspiration and decided to make a more traditional horror film, 1976's Creature from Black Lake. Um, and judging by various reviews, it wasn't a good movie. <laughs> like at all. Although I'm sure some people like it. Every movie has its fans, oh, yeah. right? But I do like that legendary concept designer and illustrator Ralph McQuarrie painted the poster for this film, which is probably the best part about it. It was likely around this time that Ralph was working closely with a young, ambitious director on another film. Ralph initially brought this film to life with his hundreds of paintings and concept art pieces. 
This young director was George Lucas. And the movie they were creating together was 1977's Star Wars. I've heard of it. Um, Ralph also painted a one-sheet poster for The Legend of Boggy Creek. And uh, pretty much everything he did just looks amazing. All the concept art. He did every concept art for Star Wars. He did the poster for this movie and The Legend of Boggy Creek. And they all look great. They all just fit the vibe just perfectly. As, I, as I've come to say now, I don't know why, but the vibes were immaculate. <laughs> they were fitting my vibes, man. <laughs> so most of you are wondering, is the monster still around? Is he? Uh, since or in- she? Oh, yeah, or she, yeah. Uh, since the initial clusters of encounters in the 1970s, further sightings of the monster have been sporadic at best. It's funny how nobody sees him now. I've said that before. Uh, he was apparently spotted jumping off a bridge in 1996. Hopefully, he's okay. Fingers crossed. There was allegedly 40 sightings in 1997, and at least one sighting in 1998. I don't know for sure, but I bet you can find those sightings in the Boggy Creek Casebook by Lyle Blackburn. No, we're not endorsed by Lyle, unfortunately, but I'm plugging his stuff because his other book, The Beast of Boggy Creek, The True Story of the Falk Monster, was a huge source for this episode, so show him some love if you're interested. He's actually a pretty big deal in the world of cryptozoology. Thanks, Lyle, Mm. for the content. (laughs) So is there any real evidence of the Falk monster? Well, the short answer is no, not really. Shocking, I know. I know, I hate to let you down. (laughs) Uh, Even the three-toed footprints discovered, quote, and casted by Willie Smith are widely considered to be fake. Nuh-uh. No. Not Willie Smith, the main guy profiting off all this. (laughs) Archaeologist Frank Shambach said that uh, there is 99% chance that the tracks are a hoax. In 1986, even the mayor of Falk, Virgil Roberts, and former sheriff Leslie Greer thought that the tracks were man-made. They were most likely created by Willie Smith in an attempt to cash in on the Falk monster craze. And he did indeed literally cash in. Mm -hmm. But whether or not the monster was real, the legend itself is still alive and well. And running around the backwoods of Falk. Yeah, I would would like to point out that just because someone capitalizes on it or someone fakes part of a legend, that doesn't mean the whole legend is fake. That just means, you know, that part of it is. I just just wanted a little. Mm -hmm. Well, it's kind of like the the game of telephone, but with real live events, I guess. You know, as as something happens and more Mm -hmm. people find out, the more the story, they know. And some people, especially like uh, with like witnesses of like uh, UFO encounters or even Mm -hmm. like abductees, they get this... uh, they have their experience and they tell everybody and nobody believes them. But what they do is they really need someone to believe them. They get that really urge. So they start like faking Making it more relatable. They start like faking evidence uh, and stuff to make people believe because they don't want to be the only ones to believe in this stuff. Right. But then they get found out and it's just like, Oh, now the whole story is a hoax. That's that kind not, of a Mandela effect type thing. Well, it's not a Mandela yeah. effect. It's more of like just a need for uh, validation is what it is. Is people start faking evidence because they have this desperate need for others to believe them. They just but in the process, like, it backfires Whoa. and people disbelieve him because they, he was, they were caught faking this yeah. evidence. And th- there have been some people were like that. We're like, I believe he saw something initially, but then he got too crazy with it. And, you know, it just all went downhill yeah. from there. Now they're just a crazy person. Now they're just a crazy person. <laughs> That's it for the Falk Monster of Boggy Creek, a subject that has been a long time coming. I would recommend you watching the movie. It's better than you think. Uh, maybe if, maybe if you're like in a chill state. Where did you watch it movie. I watched it on Amazon Prime Video. Oh, okay. So I think I had to rent it for like three bucks. It was not bad but it is better than you think so if you got some time you got a drink in your hand a cocktail yeah (laughs) um you can watch it it's pretty good and if you ever find yourself in falc i doubt you will (laughs) you can no longer visit the boggy creek cafe as it burned down in the late 70s monster arson perhaps hmm but you can go visit the monster mart a convenience store that sells all kinds of falc monster memorabilia you definitely can't miss it as the building has a giant falc monster on the roof. Here, before we go further, let me show you a picture of the monster mart because it's actually it's actually pretty impressive. Because usually, especially with small town stuff like that, they look kind of awful. I mean, this one looks hokey, but like in a cool way. It, they did a pretty good job for what it is. Is what I'm trying to say. Oh, it actually, it, looks really nice. I know it looks pretty yeah. cool, and the inside's cool. I want to go there just so I can see that. And then, of course, they like like bigfoot statues in there and all kinds of merch. A Bigfoot merch and monster merch, if you will. That'd be wicked, dude. Oh, yeah. We need to take a trip. We, we will. <laughs> I already have one planned. Yeah. 
<laughs> Without me? No, with you. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it'll have to be next year, and you're about to see oh. why. Um, you can also get a visit, visit the Falcon Monster Festival, which is the trip I'm planning. Ah. <laughs> Although by the time this airs, the 2023 festival will already be over as it's only one day. But hey, it looks like Lyle Blackburn, the main source for this episode, will be there. So maybe catch it next year. Got to get an autograph. We got to get an autograph. Yeah. And you're like, man, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I would get all uh, I would get old fangirly. I want to have him sign my, yeah, my sign, hat. Yeah. So I got Gary this hat and this shirt because um, we make all these Bigfoot erotica jokes on this show. And so I got him a hat that says, uh, why don't you read it for us, Gary? Bigfoot is real. And he tried to eat my ass. <laughs> <laughs> and then i also got him this shirt that has a it's a very plain shirt it just has two things on it, it has a picture of bigfoot and it has the word erotica and big bowl letters across the top and that's it that's it, <laughs> that's it. no context no context that's <laughs> so yeah maybe catch next year me and gary are gonna try to go next year it's only five hours from us but man five hours is still a long way especially when you're driving through arkansas like north arkansas is great i like road trips of friends though yeah, that's the thing. I mean, North Arkansas is great to drive through because you've got the Boston Mountain scenic loop and all that stuff, so it's really pretty. But as soon as you, the more farther south you get, it's just like soybean fields. Right. So. <laughs> but it looks like the festival is a fundraiser for the Falk High School and rewards scholarships to its students. So it's definitely for a good cause. So definitely go down there and check it out. And spoiler alert, this episode won't be the last time we mentioned old Falky on this podcast. Gary? I know that we usually mention Bigfoot erotica whenever we do a Squatch episode. We have to. And while this isn't that technically, uh, that's why I got you the gifts. <laughs> um, please recite the below poem. I'll put some nice music behind it okay. in, in post. A love that knows no bounds or limits. Two souls entwined in nature's midst. A human and a creature of myth. Their romance, a tale of love's true grift. Amidst the trees, they found their bliss, their hearts beating as one in the mist. In each other's arms, they found their home, a love that flourished, no need to roam. Though their worlds were vastly different, their love was strong, a fierce commitment, a bond that nature could not deny their love a rare and precious alibi theirs was a love that broke the norm a love that stood the test of time a human and Bigfoot together a love that transcended all divides love beyond boundaries by chat GPT hey that's right. It was an AI generated nice. poem. And it was very nice. Yeah, it was pretty good. It Dang. It's very sweet. It's very sweet. <laughs> um, okay. So before we go further, let's first of all, let's appreciate that poem. It's pretty good. Yeah, not bad. Really not good. bad for a robot, right? No. I literally went into it. I was like, well, first of all, I was like, write me a, an erotic poem about Bigfoot. And it's like, I'm sorry. And it was like, that. no, can't do yeah. that. And I was like, okay, write me a uh, a romantic poem about Bigfoot. And that's what it spit out. So nice. not too bad. Not too bad. So before I forget the Zach Bagans drama. Uh-huh. So you know how I've always said um, that Zach Bagans treats his coworkers like garbage. Mm-hmm. Turns out, I was right. Big shock. <laughs> no, his uh, his co-founder of Ghost Adventures, who quit like five, seven years into the show, recently came out and was saying that Zach Bagans was a huge douche. Zach Bagans basically, he didn't force him out of the show, but made it so miserable to work there, he quit. And they, whenever he tried to do new paranormal stuff, especially on like... Uh, the travel network or whatever Zach Bagans is on. Zach Bagans would come out and personally like sabotage all of that, like go up to the studio and say, Hey, either you take down this show or I'm quitting. And of course goes adventures is probably their biggest money making right. thing. So apparently he's been sabotaging this dudes, all of his, I can't remember. Is he suing him? No, no. they are. The, so when they speak about each other, they never name each other's names, but they, oh. but it's funny to listen to a certain it, somebody. It's a, it's ghost ed it's aaron something let I me get name any names Cruz. wink wink aaron yeah exactly that's exactly what it is i think it's aaron goodwin but he's a piece yes. of garbage aaron goodwin is the one who's coming out and saying i think it's aaron something 
I don't want to. I don't want to get it wrong, but I think it's Aaron Goodwin. So he's coming out and saying that Zach. That's pretty much it. That was the whole thing. Is confirmed. Zach Bagans is awful to work with, <laughs> and even awful to not work with because apparently he'll go out of his way to sabotage right. you. Which honestly, none of this is surprising. Right. <laughs> but it's awful, and people were like, "Could it be true?" And I'm like, "Do you know who Zach Bagans is? Have you read anything about him? Have you read anything about him? Have you watched, Have you watched literally him? any of his shows? <laughs> this all seems extremely plausible. So. I mean, it kind of sucks but for Aaron, but, you know, I thought I would mention that since I, I've been talking about Aaron Bagan's douchiness throughout this show, but... Now, uh, so, well, 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 sorry, sorry, no, I forgot to no. put this in there. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you, mm-hmm. I think I know your feelings on the subject, mm-hmm. but since this is the last Bigfoot episode, mm-hmm. do you think there's any possible chance that Bigfoot, Sasquatch, the Yeti, any of sort of those things could be real? Uh, maybe it used to be real, but not anymore. Maybe uh, I don't know. What do you think? What are your thoughts? You know what? I don't know. I mean, he, essentially, he's just a big gorilla. Yes, essentially. So, is it possible? Yes. Gorillas were once actually cryptids. People came back with stories of these of these literally manimals, these man things. And Would a gorilla not them. be considered bipedal? No. They really? walk. They can walk on two legs, but they primarily walk on all fours. They are not built to walk on two. They kind of waddle like they can. They can waddle for short distances, very right. much like a bear. But that's it. Okay, I don't know. I, I kind of like the fact that it's a mystery. Yes, that's that's kind of the big draw for. So it's kind of like the the megalodon. General. You know, you like is it possible? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, the megalodon was real at one point, and there may have been, as we mentioned before, a bigfoot-like creature mm-hmm. that was real before the Gigantopithecus, which is basically a bipedal ape. Possibly, they only have the jawbone, but they based on like the muscle and the bone structure that it was walking on two feet. But not. I don't want to say common sense, but but. I am going to assume no, it does not exist. Okay. Because in this day and age, with satellites the way they are, right, right, photo, you know, technology, heat sensors, night vision, all that, we would have absolutely caught one by now. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with you on that. Most cryptids, I would say, I'm kind of on the fence about it. I like, like you said, I like the air of mystery, and mm-hmm. I want to like, I'm not going to say I know anything for sure. Because here's the thing, no one knows anything for sure. Right. Right. No one, you can't be a hundred percent correct about something. Right. Oh, uh, like this, I should say. I will say the the best evidence we have for Bigfoot, in my opinion, is the Patterson Gimlin film. And it, it's that old film. You've seen it. Everyone's seen it. Everyone's seen the pose, you know, with the Bigfoot walking and that kind of looks right. Yeah. Everyone's seen it. So and many people assume it's fake. But in my opinion, I don't know if Bigfoot itself is real. This is not going to make any sense. But I don't know if Bigfoot itself is real. But whatever we saw in that film was real. Because there was just the proportional wise, the fact that it had visible breasts, which if you're making a costume, that wouldn't be like the first thing you thought of. So it was definitely a female Bigfoot. In fact, her nickname is Patty. Patterson Gimlin film, right. Patty. Um, but uh, because even if it, was, if it was a suit of some sort, the way you do proportions in a suit... So if I'm trying to make my arms longer, Gary, right? What would I do? Is I would get extensions on my arms I can grab onto, right? Right. So I can change the ratio of the forearm. I can make the forearm longer to my elbow, but I can't make my uh, my upper arm longer, the right? Tricep. It does be a yeah, I can't. Here. I can't make the elbow joint the the part from my shoulder to my elbow joint. I can't make that part longer, right? right? And judging by the measurements in that film. There was no way a human could be in that costume. And there was, and you could see, if you look closely, you can see muscles rippling under the skin. And you could see, and they definitely didn't have the technology for that back in the day. Because even like the old Planet of the Apes stuff, even then they wore clothes. So they just had to make the mask in hand. They didn't Mm -hmm. make a full suit. So like in my opinion, this is my opinion, but based on what I've seen from the Patterson Gilman film and the research and the podcast that listen to about it, I think whatever we see there is real. Whether whether or not I believe there's a whole population of Bigfoots, because if it, it is an animal, it would have to have a breeding population. There would have to be right. a ton of them, right? I don't know about that. I, I don't know if it could be an interdimensional thing or it could be like a vision into the past, a little time slip, if you will. I don't remember if it was us watching it or not, but there was that one video I saw that was kind of like... Uh... May have been a drone video. Okay. With that, you can see something. Right. 
walk into like run yeah and that's the thing about those far away ones is it literally could just be someone in a gorilla costume whereas whereas this one it's like you can just take the measurements and you find out be like oh yeah that's that can't be a costume or if it is it's like today's technology worth Mm -hmm. thousands of dollars thousands upon thousands of dollars just do that so now i will say there was evidence that um patterson one of the guys who caught the video was planning on someone dressing up as a Bigfoot and going out to film about it, but it wasn't to fake something. Right. It was, he was making a documentary and what he was doing here is he, he was they basically him, Patterson and Gimlin went out to say, Hey, let's go find a Bigfoot. And they just so happened, they seemingly found one. And so he had to, he, they had to hop off his horse and they get it all. But that's what you don't see is you don't see them hopping off the horse and struggling to get the camera ready. I just, I want to believe that it's real. Right. Because there's just so much acreage. There's so much land mass. Right. Where anything is like, like with the ocean, like I was talking to Megalodon, there's got to, like, there's a possibility that thing still exists because there are pieces of the ocean that we still cannot, we cannot physically get to. I would say if cryptids do exist in any sort of capacity, it would be in the ocean. Right. Well, or like, but with Bigfoot, Bigfoot's like the even, most grounded even of all of them. third world countries have cell phones. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Everybody has a cell phone. Well, here's the thing, Gary, is if I showed you, if I, if I showed you, I could look, we could look up all the pictures and videos you want. We can see all of them. All right. What would you say if to any one of those videos? That's fake. <laughs> so it doesn't matter right. if there's quote unquote evidence of photos or videos. You're right. Because anyone could say it's fake. That's fair. But I, I know what you're saying, yeah. and I'm saying if you do come across high strangeness, listener, record it. Right. I don't care if people think it's fake or not. Record that. Right. Send it to me. Snipe up because you know the Um But yeah, that's the thing. It's it's something you really got to witness for yourself. I think. Right. You got to experience. And hopefully it. with other people. <laughs> yeah, with other people cooperate, right. preferably not family. <laughs> no, no, yeah. But, but you know, it's it's like I said, it's just one of those things where. It's a mystery. I'm on the fence, but I like to think it's real in some sort of capacity, whether that be more mystical, interdimensional, anything like that. But you never know. Because right. we don't know the real laws of the universe. Mm-hmm. We we know you don't know what you don't know, is what I'm saying. We're just a speck in a whole We're just bunch speck. of we don't even matter. Existential a whole crisis. Bunch <laughs> a whole bunch of nothingness. A whole bunch of nothingness. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now, this is just reminding y'all that we are going on an indefinite hiatus after Indefinite hiatus! <laughs> Damn it, did I get rid of the air horn? I don't know. I, get, I don't know. Indefinite hiatus! <laughs> indefinite hiatus! <laughs> <laughs> so enjoy it while it lasts. Yep. Uh, like us on all the things if you want to. I guess it really doesn't you know, matter. We're not going to force you. Uh, check out the free audio on Patreon. Everything I, on Patreon's free now. I enjoy the crap out of the stuff on there. If you don't, it's uh, pretty good. It's if, not bad. If you don't like a little potty mouth, um, it's true. Just search for it. And you'll you'll find it. You can still email us at snipehuntpodcast at gmail.com. You could probably do that forever if you want. Oh, yeah. It's, um, I'm not like paying for that. Right. <laughs> Darren is still checking for that. So send us a message about anything. All right. I guess we'll end how we always end on the final joke. I'm pretty, pretty proud of this one. This mm-hmm. one's good. I found a good one. So, Gary, how does the Falk monster tell the time? I'm going to guess. You're going to be wrong. <laughs> I don't know. You might get it. You might get it. He don't give a fuck about time. Oh, that's pretty good. That's yeah. not it, but that's pretty good. <laughs> we, we got we to gotta make that pun as much as possible right. because it's one of the only times we're going to talk about right. the fuck monster. Uh, but he actually uses a Sask watch. Ah, <laughs> there you There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time. See ya. Don't forget to read up on that Bigfoot erotica. Mm-hmm. I did I did try to find some, but there is nothing I could put in here that wasn't very graphic. <laughs> you know what? Now that chat GPT was, does you know, exist, I'm well no, it ain't gonna it ain't gonna write now. You don't like know how me. hard I looked for it either, how hard I looked for it. But I couldn't find any tasteful Bigfoot erotica. Surprise, surprise. It was all very graphic. See, I need that instead of sitting around playing video games, <laughs> I really need to just 
have <laughs> like you do with the mini so, the mini sods, you know? Yeah, yeah. I need to just make one. Yeah, you should. I need to put effort into it I, and just make one at least. I did find a short, short book that you could do for it. Wouldn't that be crazy if I just finally put motivation into something and did it and then we like exploded <laughs> well, you could just take that last part off wouldn't it be crazy if you put time into effort into right. something? yeah i know right <laughs> all right all right thank you guys for listening we really appreciate it thanks for listening to us all those years all these years for, for your yeah. loyal listeners we're almost done we got five episodes left enjoy it i know we will see you later The dense wood and boggy bottomlands of the 18,000 acre Sulphur River Wildlife Management Area may just hide an aggressive monster, a mountainous manimal that has no fear of humans. He stalks the creeks, leaps the roads, and lurks outside of houses. Maybe he is only a legend, a mythical beast created out of misidentification and local lore. However, this theory would discount dozens of sightings, of which only a few were shared here. So myth or monster, maybe next time you are on the Arkansas-Texas border, you can find out for yourself. Just stay on alert for the Falk monster, as you might just come face to face with frightening folklore. Once again, we want to thank you for listening to Snipe Hunt. Your listening has been noted and will be reported to the proper authorities. All audio used was done so under fair use. The music you have heard in this episode was composed by Mayu, Nature World 1986, and Festlian Studios. We'll continue to search for the unexplained and hopefully see you on the next hunt. <coughs> Richie and accompanying... accompanying. Richie and accompanying, uh, say it for me. <laughs> that is hard to say. Accompanying, accompanying, accompanying. But you don't accompanying. Okay, and accompanying. I'm actually there's there's there. Oh, sorry. Oh me. Oh me. <laughs>